You're listening to Megiddo Radio. Megiddo Radio is a radio ministry of Megiddo Media. For more, visit our website at megiddoradio.com. That's megiddoradio.com. Good evening. Welcome, everybody. This is Paul Flynn with Megiddo Radio for Thursday, the March the 17th, 2022. Thank you all for tuning in. Apologies, we're running a few minutes late. Um, on tonight's program, I was thinking about, I think I was thinking about some, some year I'm going to have to do something on Patrick of Ireland. Otherwise, I want to see him, Patrick. But for those who are wondering, um, I haven't seen this presentation in years, but I'd probably recommend Richard Bennett, who's a former Roman Catholic priest, and there's a few other people have done a lot of research on him. I think there might be a book by Michael Haken out there, and he's a valuable researcher. So some year I'll probably do something on it. If you, I've done an article at the Megiddo Review, and from a couple of years ago, and which is basically called, let me dig it up here, The Real Patrick of Ireland Would Hate St. Patrick's Day. So, uh, yeah, um, not a big fan of this because it's a glorified drinking holiday. And um, having grown up in that, you see what it does. And it, it doesn't, in the same way, Christmas doesn't really do anything for the promotion of Christ. St. Patrick's Day really doesn't do anything for the promotion of the knowledge of who Patrick actually was. Now, if you want to actually on that day learn about him, brilliant. You should learn about history, and it's uh, it's a good opportunity to do that. So, on tonight's program, a topic that I had hoped to possibly avoid for many, many different reasons. Um, uh, the issue of Amy Bird, um, a person I came across a couple of years ago, saw a couple of video clips, one or two blogs here and there, but didn't really pay too much attention to it. Um, long and short of it, it just seems to be a kind of an ugly internet slash, it, it seems to be something that's ended up in church courts as well. So when things are like that, you think, okay, well, hopefully in the church courts, things can be settled, whatever the case may be. Um, I have never, this is the first program I've ever done anything on her. Um, I think part of the reason for that is I haven't been a fan of some of her critics. I can't say all of her critics because I have seen some people who have been, who have been balanced about it and things like that. Um, and having read some of the, what seemed incredibly over-the-top criticisms, lacking quotations, everything else like that, I thought, well, it's probably nothing burger, and I wasn't going to go through the multiple hours required to do the research for a program like this. Unfortunately, though, that all changed a little bit over a week ago, when people's suspicions again i don't really know much about her i just know that she's published by zondervan and some people champion her all the time on twitter one of the reasons i'm off twitter um but she was preaching at a church was a covenant church trying to get the details here It was, the la- it was the last Sabbath week, and she preached at an SBC church. And that's when I I was deeply concerned. Because up until that point, didn't really pay much attention. Thought, okay, there's some bit of a he said, she said nonsense. And don't really agree with either side. And don't really, don't really, not a big fan of the behavior of either side. But that changed when I read an article, a very good article, I'm going to preface this, um, by Pastor uh, 
Chris Gordon. Now, Pastor Chris Gordon, I've read a few of his articles before, and he's very pastoral, and anything I've ever read by him, anything I have read, a few things I've read, has been very good, and very pastoral, and it's one of the reasons why I kind of stood up and listened, because of the way he covered it. <laughs> it was, you know, it was different, and he wasn't, you know, there was nothing inflammatory or anything like that, and talk about the basically the dangers of um, egalitarian pulpits. And I'm going to just quote a few things from this article by Pastor Chris Gordon. And Pastor Chris Gordon is, he's a minister in Escondido United Reformed Church. And, and the little that I know, I know of a few congregations there and all the preachers seem to be very good, godly men. And they seem to be solid. So anybody that I'm aware of from the denomination, they seem to be quite solid. And um, this is, if you want to read this article, it's the Domino Theory and Egalitarian Pulpits. Um, it's agradio.org, agradio.org. And I think he's got a podcast as well. So, um, so first paragraph here says, Amy Bird had her first preaching debut this past Sunday. Since many women in our church had read Amy's, Bur- Amy's books and listened to her speak, I think it's important to be made aware of this development. In response to others who have expressed concern, Amy, no, sorry, Bird expressed her freedom from the modern categories of complementarianism and egalitarianism, saying that she doesn't fit nicely into any category. Bird then asserted that the church is confused as to what preaching is in the church today. Um, really, we're all confused about preaching. And as she, or it's like, we're all confused about preaching, basically saying, are we really confused about preaching? I, I wasn't aware of that. Um, as she affirmed the inviting pastor who ex-cathedra obligated the distinction between the act of preaching from the office of the preacher. And this is, look, I've probably done over the years about eh, three, four programs over over the couple of hundred that are there on this issue. I think I responded to somebody, somebody that I wasn't really aware of a couple of years ago, claiming to be a female minister, responded to her. All sort of things in regards to um, Beth Moore, I think it was, and one or two other ones. There are some people, the, the reason why I'm kind of almost nervous to do this is because some people have kind of made a hobby horse and this is the issue facing the church. Now, it is massively important. I also don't want to downplay it at all because... What's at stake here is the authority of the Word of God. And nothing less than the authority of the Word of God. And um, I remember having a conversation a week or two ago of my, I think maybe three weeks ago, whatever it was, of the, the dangers of, well, fixating on one issue. And there's been couple of forums and a couple of other things and the behavior has been quite reprehensible to be honest and and they really haven't done any favors towards looking into this issue it actually makes people you know because of the behavior of certain groups online um it's actually made people feel sorry for amy bird including myself, by the way. And then you think, well, there's nothing to these things. So that's one of the problems when you kind of think that, well, you know, it doesn't matter how we behave or how we present it or anything else like that. That's been kind of the mess that has been presented this way. Now, Whatever the, whatever the case may be, whatever the botched arguments may be, have been in the past, whatever the warnings that may have turned out to be true, whatever the case, she has clearly crossed the line here. And I watched the clip from this uh, SBC church, Southern Baptist Convention church. I think it's called Covenant Church. And uh, it's on YouTube anyway. And so 
that's clearly a serious crossing of the line. And look, hopefully, hopefully, she will. And look, Amy, if you're listening, probably won't be. But I'm just saying if if somebody is listening, regardless of what has been done in the past, let's regardless of the bad behavior, and by the way, it's been on both sides. Let's think about what the Bible says. Rather than what I can see in a number of articles that I dug up, a lot of what about is. And it's been the, ch- the church's position for centuries that, okay, I know what people are going to say, that doesn't mean she, they're right and all this kind of stuff. But it's been the church's position for centuries, confessional and otherwise, that the office of preaching and of preacher, of elder, of authoritative teaching in the worship service is restricted to men, qualified men. It's not just any man, but qualified men. But when we cover this, I would just urge you against the kind of the mob mentality I've seen against her. But I have, like, the response hasn't been good on, on supporters of her side either, which we'll see in a second. Anyway, so Chris Gordon goes on to say the issue was and still is of how scripture is to be interpreted. At the end of the day, the question is always the same Does the Bible give us the comprehensive and clear teaching on whether or not women should preach or be ordained? to the office of elder and pastor? And if so, on what basis? And he talks, I would I would recommend reading this article. Again, the name of that article is The Domino Theory and Egalitarian Pulpits. And Pastor Gordon argues, yes, of course, ontologically in being, Women and men are equal, but there's different has a, there's different functional responsibilities between men and women and how they how they function within the church, and it's yeah, sadly this has come more and more under attack. And look, she has a lot of influence within pretty solid churches. And uh, he comments on First Timothy chapter two, First Corinthians chapter fourteen, the end of the chapter. And look, this is not like a big head scratcher. It is not. Um, <clears throat> this is one of the hard. This is why it's one of the harder topics to cover when you see a kind of well. Let's face it: it's setting aside of the authoritative. Word of God. When you see the setting aside of the Word of God in this issue, because it's so clear on this issue, there's di- you know there's different areas we disagree on. We disagree on eschatology, you know, different denominations and stuff like that, or whatever. And you kind of go, you can see how faithful believers might come to different convictions and different conclusions, and you got you get it. You know, uh, you get why Baptists and Presbyterians disagree with each other. You you get it. You don't agree with the other side, but you get it. You don't think just because they hold the other position, therefore they are setting aside the authority, the authority of the Word of God. However, when it comes to an issue such as this, we. we Texts as clear as First Timothy chapter two verse twelve, and also was it First Corinthians chapter fourteen verses was it thirty three, thirty four, and thirty five to name but two. But there's also the headship issue and the the, the expressing of authority and things like that. Amy Bird knows this herself. She knows this herself because she blogged about it back in 2013, and um, which makes it even more concerning. I don't know what her past is, by the way. You know, I just want to caveat this. Don't know what her past is. I don't know what has gone through. 
Um, it would be great if a lot of these movements online, they, they seem to have emerged through genuine grievances of, in certain cases, probably heavy shepherding, probably even abusive and all that kind of thing within various institutions and within the church. But they want, for want of a better term, overcorrected. And it has become, with various different websites, a bit of a witch hunt. And if you don't know the websites I'm talking about, praise God, you, it's probably better off if you don't know. Um, on the other side, people who who are scared to death, you could say, of feminism, and it is one of many isms that is encroaching upon the church, has also gone to an overcorrective position. And they're bouncing off each other, and they're more, frankly, they're making each other more and more extreme. And either side is driving, I think, a lot of the time, either side is driving each other away further and further from the Word of God. Faithful believers, by the way, on both, both of these sides. It, it's not like you read Amy Bird and therefore you're some kind of liberal or something like that. Or, or you... Or perhaps you even follow or agree with some of the points of some of the more ham-fisted arguments you could say on the other side. That therefore you hate women and all this kind of nonsense. No. Um, so that's why it was kind of, it was a nice, and it was a nice, it was one of the reasons I was willing to cover this because of the way Chris Gordon covered it. Um. I really, I had no interest in covering it because I thought there was nothing there. And that's what most people will think when they look at most of the blogs that are put up by certain groups. Groups that will post about Amy Bird on every few days. Now, what do I, what do I suggest to you? I'm not saying ignore what she's doing at all. Take her book, take her, you know, articles, whatever, critique it, show it how it is departed from the word of God, and then move on. There's nothing to be gained by this constant back and forth, really. I just don't, don't think so. Anyway, Amy Bird, back in 2013, clearly knew what the position of that women are not to preach in the church. This is from Reformation 21, and... She's answering this question. What's the difference between women preaching and and women blogging? So she says this. I'm going to read a few things, things I agree with that she wrote back in 2013. There are many roles for women in the church, but scripture makes it clear that the office of elder and pastor is not one of them. very clear so far and she cites 1 Timothy 2.12 she says this not only that or she said at least not only that most men are never called to this position 1 Timothy 3 1-17 to I believe God has ordained this for our good amen yep absolutely uh, this is the creation order so, skipping ahead here to later on in the article. Yet, yep, I would say that it done faithfully. We were talking about a difference between the authority. Um, I'm going to go back here for a bit of context, actually. I'm going to read it all because this is very important, if I'm being honest. Um, with that said, I believe that complementarians are serious about the distinctiveness of male and female roles. If we really do believe that women are created as helpers, that we, above all, should want to 
equip strong, theologically-minded thinking women, this could be an article of its own. And I agree. Women should be theologically, you know, trained. I don't mean like, you know, reading, testing things against the word of God. They should be just as trained as anybody else in the church so that they can bless other people in the church in various different roles. Okay. There's lots of different roles that various different people can play within the church, but only qualified men can serve as deacons and elders. Only qualified men. First Timothy chapter 3. So, I don't want this to be interpreted by anyone. <laughs> please, 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 please. You know, if people are desperately trying to get a, a, a you know, some soundbite, which is wretchedly sinful, if you ask me. Um, you know, you're going around looking for clips of people who with slips of the tongue and all sorts of things and making websites out of it. But I digress. Um, please don't think that I think that this means that women should remain home and there's only certain things that they can do. No. I have no real problem at all with women blogging, with women doing lots of different things. Just not the things within the worship service, which is regulated. That's why it's called a regular principle of worship. In life, outside of the worship service, there can be talks, there can be all sorts of things. You see, I think it's one of the, 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 the things that has been confusing. There's a difference between the worship service, which is what she did last Sabbath week. When was it? What date was that? Uh, beginning of March. And it was the first Sabbath in March. And, and doing a talk, say, in a university setting, and it's not worship, and it's, it's not that authority within the church constitute it's not the key the the exercise of the keys of the kingdom through preaching or discipline the keys of the kingdom referring to binding and loosing the preaching of the gospel that authoritative being sent by christ that is only a function for qualified men but that does not mean in order to believe that because you can get extreme people who try to overcorrect. You get certain movements. We call various different movements. And, you know, for example, there's views of, well, there's nothing about women working outside the home. So, therefore, they shouldn't work outside the home. And you get a regular principle of life. That's dangerous. That's legalism. Okay. The worship service is regulated. We see that in Leviticus chapter 10, verses 1 to 3. We see that in the offerings of Cain and of Abel. That is regulated uh, at the beginning of Genesis chapter 4. Worship before God is regulated. Life is the normative principle. If it has not been condemned, it is allowed. So there's many different roles and many different functions that women can do in society. Now, women are often put under pressure to have to do X, Y, and Z. That they have to have this big massive career outside the home, and there's a lot of pressures like that, and I don't think that's helpful at all. And there's a looking down upon the uh, the role of motherhood. But some people go to the extreme of saying, "Well, you can't work at all outside the home." Well, but that's nonsense. But what I would say to the people, on top of that, if you are a mother. You are managing a household. That has to be your priority. And if you can work as well, okay. But that's something that you prayerfully have to work out. We want lists. We want legalistic lists. Do this, do this, do this, do this. It just doesn't. It's. It, I wish it was as simple as that. I wish it was. It's not. It, it, it's just simply not. Same thing can happen when people talk about homeschooling and putting them in the school. 
it really depends on your situation and there's a number of different factors and you should be guided through it by your by your minister and all that but make sure it's a christian education but i'm kind of digressing here so back to amy bird's article from, back from 2013 yep i would say that if done faithfully we are talking about a difference between the authority of the word of god and the word of men could i i compose and deliver a sermon worthy of of exposition of scripture that would enlighten those listening sure i could along with many other women i agree yes yeah but this is not our calling this is not our calling And besides, she wrote back in 2013, delivering a good exposition of scripture is not the only element of being a preacher. Paul explains to the elders of the Ephesian church that they are shepherds, not just sermon deliverers. And, you know, you might quibble about one or two things here and there, like like anybody's article on, on, on these topics or whatever. So... She also wrote back in 2013, but when they do preach, this comes from the authority of the word of God to his people. I am not leading authoritatively from a pulpit. My view of the office of pastor is different from any other teaching. They are set apart for a special calling to proclaim God's word. 1 Thessalonians 2.13. And that is what's so concerning about all this. This is not someone who is ignorant of what the Bible teaches about this. She wasn't confused back in 2013. But now she is, apparently. But, um, like, there's, you know, there's parts in her walk we can make mistakes and think, why did I do that? And all this kind of thing. But she taught this at one point. She says at the end of, end of the article, I want to share with others, God's gifts many people to be teachers. And many of those to write. Look, I, yeah, that's fine. I mean, some people are gifted at writing. Go for it. I mean, I, I think... Um, I'll be honest, though, not as many people are gifted at writing as they think are gifted at writing. But look, people want to read your books and you bless people. And But praise God for the ministerial office of preaching. I'll leave that to whom he calls. So that's 2013, very, very clear. So let's remind ourselves of Second Timothy Chapter 2, verses 11 onwards. Let a woman learn in silence with all submission. Now, before we get on to verse 12, there's a context. This isn't all the time. This And this is referring to a specific situation of authority. Let a woman learn in silence with all submission, within the worship service, of course. And, and, I, and I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man. Because the teaching, by the way, is expressing authority. Because it's, the word, it's from the Word of God, even according to Amy Bird herself. But to be in silence. For, for Adam was formed first, then Eve. It brings it right back to creation. Verse 13. This goes right back to creation. This is God's created order. And just like other creation ordinances, marriage, the Sabbath day, go right back to Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. These continue on. Verse 14, And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. Nevertheless, she will be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith, love, holiness, with self control so there's that role all the way back going 
the role of teaching a church, going, referencing back to male headship. Women are not to fulfill this role. Very simple. Now, how are we doing for time? Okay, well, we're 30 minutes into the program. So if you've got any questions and you're listening live, you can send on messages to radio at gmail.com. That's M-E-G-I-D-D-O radio at gmail.com. So, right. Um, so in response to... In response to this, this sermon preached by Amy Bird, um, I can look. I can I can spend another. If there's any specific questions on this, but this is one of the things with this topic. It's not an issue of understanding of texts and you know, good people are on either side. You know, the Word of God clearly says this. And that's why within churches, Church of Scotland, for example, you'll see them, first of all, embracing female preachers, female elders, and then eventually on board with the LGBT movement. Because the Word of God is not the authority. So the Word of God becomes distorted and change to suit the feelings or agendas of the day, whatever direction that they're going in. That's really what's at play here. And what were, what was really needed in the early days, I haven't like I haven't read Amy Bird's book. I don't know if it's good or bad or indifferent or whatever. I'm I'm sure it's probably fine with a few things here and there. But here's where there's a dangerous trajectory and the things that I found her writing in recent days. And it's it's concerning because she is so influential with the potential to cause division. Now, Colin, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, Smothers, he writes for CBMW, that's was the Council of Biblical... What's the full name of that organization? They did that Nashville statement years ago, and there was a few other statements that they put out as well. Um, they very much are an organization based around biblical male, male and female roles as described in the Bible, things like that. I know a number of people have certain issues with one or two of the organizations that point these things out, but I, I, I digress. I think it's a bit of about what aboutism. Um, I think you need to just deal with: is there any merit to the critique that the person is putting forth, rather than oh, but you believe this? I realize that there's issues of ESS and all this kind of stuff, and people. I think people know what that is. Some people don't, and um. But Colin Smothers for cbmw.org says this, um, referring to the same article that I was just referring to back in Reformation 21. The article is called, That Was Then, This Is Now. Amy Bird Preaches Her First Sunday Morning Sermon. Brought up the article from a couple of years ago, completely agreed with it. Um... Twitter quoted, wish I had it up on screen here, that would have been a good idea. Twitter quoted from Joel Rainey, who is the lead pastor of the church that asked her to preach. Covenant Baptist Church in Shepherdstown, West Virginia. A member of the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, Joel Rainey says, today was a really, really good day. Thanks, Amy, for coming. 
God's people were blessed with your wisdom. Um, the article was pretty good. I couldn't find anything, any major problem with the article. Okay. I'm not aware of Collins Mothers outside of this article, so... So I'm going purely on this article. There doesn't seem to be anything wrong with what he says here. Quotes, few people, really good. Um, uh, Al, Al, Albert Moeller, pr president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary and CBMW council member said this, and he quotes this in his article, simply put, the only way to affirm women serving in the pastoral role is to reject the authority and sufficiency of biblical texts, such as 1 Corinthians 14 and 1 Timothy 2. There's more to picture, but not less. Furthermore, the Christian church is virtually every... The Christian church in virtually every tradition through nearly two millennia, is almost every place on earth has understood these texts clearly. In most churches around the world, there is no question about these texts even now. Furthermore, there is a testimony of God-given differences in the roles of men and women in the church and in the home throughout the Bible. The pattern of revealed truth is not hard to follow exactly. And this is kind of... Yeah, I, and I have gone through this in other programs. If you just go to megetaradio.com, type in the word female preachers and I've gone through in fairly detail, you know, one or two programs from a couple of years ago going through why. But it, it's pretty clear. And um, Colin Smothers also quotes from the S uh, CBMW Danvers statement, which says, In the church, redemption in Christ gives men and women an equal share in the blessings of salvation. Nevertheless, some governing and teaching roles within the church are restricted to men. And uh, teaching roles, teaching, teaching, teaching roles within the church, the authoritative preaching of the word of God is restricted to men over and over and over again. Um, he says this in another article, Amy Bird's book was released. Sorry, after Bird's book was released, there was there were many commentarians who argued that Bird's book offered a helpful corrective to complementarianism. I'm I'm aware of a lot of people would argue that. I don't know. Haven't read the book. You're probably right. Doesn't really doesn't matter here at this point because of the direction she's now going. At this point, um. It doesn't mean that everything she said was wrong. Either. But we've got to be very, very discerning in how you take her criticisms of the church because she's clearly going away from the Word of God. Dangerously. Again, this is not you know, Baptists and Presbyterians or something like that, disagreeing on a few things here and there. Or even, which I would see more seriously, somebody going towards the charismatic movement wouldn't see it as a good development, but okay. This is something far more clear than any of the issues, many of the issues that I cover in the program, which is one of the reasons why 10, 20 years later, you see the LGBT movement following on. So even Bird herself said in the book that she is no longer a complementarian. Some readers are still resourcing her book in order to form complementarian applications of scripture. But as some reviewers argued at the time, the position offered by Bird's book is a kind of way station to egalitarianism. And they may be right as well, okay? Um, there's probably good critiques out there. Like a lot of things, there's people I critiqued years ago, and there's a big, huge thing, right? Um, can name names, but whatever. Um, and then it just sounds like a witch hunt. It just looks like a witch hunt. If you're going after big men, you think, oh, are these people just trying to get a big following and you know trying to take down certain such and so, so and so? It, it doesn't help. 
And I would just say, put out the critique and walk away. There's not much more you can do. Petition people. Pray for the situation. But be discerning. Um, you know what? And time seems to have vindicated this way station to egalitarianism view because she's there. She may not, she doesn't call herself an egalitarian. It doesn't matter what you call yourself. Pelagians don't call themselves Pelagians. Arminians don't call themselves Arminians. A lot of Calvinists who actually agree with form theology don't like the term Calvinism. It doesn't matter. They're still Calvinistic. If you find out what they, you know, you ask them what they believe and things like that. There's even some reform people don't like the term reformed. Or there's even some Protestants hate the term Protestant. Doesn't matter. They're labels. But we're using labels here to simplify things. She's gone towards an egalitarian view. Which is dangerous. Because it sets aside the word of God as the authority in the church. Um... Colin Smothers writes, even still, many dismissed these warnings as defensive or overblown. And I was of that opinion. Now, to be honest, I hadn't read the book, so I'm kind of going, I read a couple of reviews, but the problem is, I think that they just didn't make their case. You know, I suppose you're writing online and you want to keep the article short, at least the ones I read. I'm not saying every single critique up there. There's probably ones that are very good, and I haven't read them. Fair enough. But, the ones I had seen, it was like, really? Okay. Um, it just seemed overblown and defensive. There, there may have been overblown defensive, and now it's gone to this direction. Obviously, things have escalated since then. Um, but I digress. I think, look, we want to write an article. We want to think that you know we critique something, and it's going to shut everything down. And that false teacher is gone out of circulation or this person who's spreading that. And we think we can online torpedo it and eliminate it. You can't. You just can't. You can pray about it. You can put out the information. You can pass it on. But, um, and you can warn people in the right way. But if you go into hyperbole, if you go into mocking people who disagree with you, if you just go into just, you know, the toxic rhetoric that you see on Twitter and things like that and just nasty, all this kind of stuff, then nobody's going to want to listen to you. And if they do, unfortunately, they're going to follow the same bad example that was seen before. Again, it's actually one of the reasons I'm off Twitter. And I will never go back. Because there were Christian accounts that would follow and they were fine for a while. And then just became obsessed with the anti-Amy Bird people. And then Amy Bird people, you know, other people obsessed with them. And it just, it just got worse and worse. And both sides got worse and worse. And everybody... Is it possible that both of these sides are... You know, not setting a great example. But in the middle, there are some people who did make, probably don't get noticed, and who made really good points. And they often are not the people who get listened to. I hope and pray that both this church that had Amy Bird preach and Amy Bird herself will repent. And there'll be reconciliation. Because this is not setting a good example within the church. Um, I was I was debating in my head whether to bring this up, but I'll bring it up while I have it in my head. Uh, I don't know why she quotes favorably Pope John Paul II. You know, head of the Roman Catholic Church, of course, you know, Teaches false gospel. It's not a very good one. I'm just going to play it here. This is from the the end of our sermon. Unwise, to say the least. Second Adam, to be the first to love, the first to give, and the first 
to sacrifice. This is your submission. Pope John Paul II says that Christ is the bridegroom because he's given himself. His body has been given. His blood has been poured out. In this way, he loved them to the end. That's how Jesus defines leadership, right? In Matthew 20, the bride. Why quote the Antichrist? And look, regardless of what your understanding of the Antichrist is, uh, he's at least an Antichrist to you at the very least. Now, so does that unwise to say the least, the head of a false system. If you're okay, if we're put yourselves there up there as such a theologian, more criticism is going to come with the territory. And this is not smart. If you want to quote somebody and you you know, in a book, just say, for example, and you say, well, I don't agree with this person, but they just said it well here, and you quote them. And then you, you, you say, I don't agree with them, but they said it better than I could put it myself. Okay, fair enough. But there's none of that. Pope John Paul II is quoted favorably. A wolf in sheep's clothing. Pope John Paul II I'm referring to now. Now, so, in response to that article from Colin Smothers, I couldn't really see anything majorly wrong with it. I have seen some people who have been on that side, who have been critical of Bird, Amy Bird, that is, and that they've gone too far. I think many of them have. However, however, um, I didn't personally see any of that in that article. And I think it was fairly fair. Michael F. Bird, who I think he does a podcast with Amy Bird. Uh, Bird is spelled here a different way, B-I-R-D. So he did not take kindly to and I'm not going to read all of this He's, the article basically is CBMW's latest hit job on Amy Bird latest hit job again I didn't notice any of this accuses uh, them of a creepy fixation upon her um, he says in this article Smothers is not content to leave it there but points out that I Amy's partner in theological gender crime have committed the same treasonous offense of changing our minds about women and ministry and gender roles in the church. The word treasonous doesn't even come up. For whatever the hyperbole of some of Bert's critics, and I think the reason is, I think they bounce off each other, frankly. Um... But there's just a, a, a massive degree of ad hominem. Uh, I'll just give you one or two things he says here, which is, we really, we must avoid. Surely there's a better way to be an American complementarian, he writes, without the deviant labeling. Well, maybe you look, yeah. Without the creepy fixation, without sounding like a jaded ex-husband. This is what he says about um, Colin Smothers. I think this is what he well, this is what he wanted people to say. Uh, for instance, why not say Amy Bird preached her first sermon, a role we believe is fitting only for men? I can agree with this first part that he said. Amy has gone to a different place in our in her views of women and ministry. Can agree with that. We obviously disagree with her and cannot join her on the path she's traveling. Can also agree with that phrasing as well. But we still pray for God's blessings for her. Um not not in pray for God to, for her to repent she's in sin 
Um, it, it's, you know, it's rejecting the authority of the word of God, basically. Um, getting back to what she hoped, or he hoped, Michael Bird hoped, um, Colin Smothers would say, but we still pray for God's blessings for her and that God would put out her, put out on her the depths of his wisdom and gift of discernment. I can agree with that. We all, we, we will always be happy to continue a conversation with Amy. But she's rejecting the authority of the word of God. Look, you want to have a conversation as much as possible, but it doesn't sound like Amy really is really listening to Amy of 2013. If, if, if Amy would start listening to Amy, of, Amy Bird of 2013, then that would be great. But it's not like she's ignorant of these things. She knows exactly what is taught. Right now, she needs to repent, not have a conversation. And this is what, time and time again, you just see people going in the wrong direction, going in a very dangerous liberal direction towards feminism, and just, well, well we can disagree, but keep, open, keep us in the bubble, keep us, you know. No, you're going in a very, very dangerous direction. And not only we can't follow you, we, we need to call you to repent. And warn others about you. Now. I didn't see merit for doing this before, but now I definitely do. And there's a lot of other unhelpful rhetoric from Michael Burt. I'm, I'm, look, I'm not going to comment on his own views because I've only seen him, seen bits and pieces from him. Just to finish off the program, sorry if this is not the most uplifting program ever, but I felt it was necessary to cover it. And hopefully, I think next next week we'll go back to larger catechism. Uh, just before starting this program, I found this article, which was written by Amy Bird in response to this. It seems like, yeah, um, Amy Bird responds to Colin Smothers' article. You know, it can get kind of messy after a while because there's a lot of back and forth, back and forth. If you thought Twitter was complicated, some blogs, yeah. Um, so, I'm not really, I don't really know how to describe it. She goes on to write, this article, this is from a few days ago. That was the good old days, referring to when Amy played by the complementarian rules, she discovered it is okay to teach complementarian based on eternal subordination. I think that's the Trinitarian error that is going around in certain circles. Um, that they hold to the subject, subjugation of women. Look, we can get on to the errors of other groups and other problems, but we can't enter into a massive degree of whataboutism. Oh, you did this, you did this, you did this, so therefore... Um, just like the other side, which they did overreact... Or, not, not the word overreact, I suppose. At least appear to overreact and overstate their case... It seems like she's left the OPC as well. Now, what has this got to do? You know, you can have... There may be issues in a church of doctrine and various different things, and they should be dealt with in the church. Um, or you may think that there's issues in a church, and you're wrong. It's possible in church issues, you've got to remain open to this, that you're wrong on something, or wrong in part of it, or wrong in a fraction of it, or wrong in whatever on it. So, 
So it's basically, well, I agreed with what the Bible says about First Timothy chapter two, verse twelve, and then I've discovered imperfections in the church. You're going to find that. Don't make the sin, don't let the sin of others become an excuse for your own. So I'm going to skip ahead. There's there's a lot of whataboutism from, you know, this happened, this happened. Look, if you want to cover those issues, and I'm not saying they shouldn't be covered, they should. There are issues of the Trinity within very, and lots of people have written on that. I haven't had nearly the time to cover those issues. But it doesn't change women are not to preach. Regardless of what else goes on, And they'd be horrible, and we should condemn those issues where they are true or whatever. But that does not change the fact of what First Timothy chapter two verse twelve teaches. End of story. So finally, get into kind of around what she says about not playing by complementarian rules and all this kind of thing, because complementarians are sinners. Okay, you got to realize they're not perfect complementarians, so therefore. Uh, so what about preaching? Finally, page three, she gets into it. Uh, so was I even preaching on Sunday? That's a good question. The pastor who invited me distinguished the act of preaching from the office of the preacher. I doesn't matter what he did. Um, he's wrong. The pastor who invited me distinguishes the act of preaching from the office of preacher. So, anybody can authoritatively preach? So then, there's nothing really special then about the office of preacher then, is there? Um, but I digress. And Baptist ecclesiology allows for lay teaching and preaching. Yeah, but the Bible teaches qualified men. Um, and then he quotes was called Scott Swain. A kind of a quote that doesn't really have much, if anything, to do with what preaching is. Okay, for those who are com- actually confused about what preaching is, preaching, a preacher, preaching, preaching is something that the preacher does. And when the preacher is preaching, he is a herald of the messenger of the king who is sending him. And if, if if he has not been sent, if he's not preaching authoritatively, he's not preaching. Preaching is with authority. And it's to be heard, and she quoted as well from First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, back in 2013, to be heard as the word of God. Not to be received as the word of man, but as the word of God. She said, I did that. I wouldn't want to do less during a worship service, she wrote, but also I see it as lay teaching. I see it as. This is not a good way to argue. Compared to 1 Corinthians 11 and 14 worship, where women prophesy. (sighs) Yeah. Look. Prophesying is setting forth of the word of God. And prophesying isn't only just preaching authoritatively. Everyone in the congregation, when they're singing the word of God, they're singing the Psalms, is prophesying before God. And that includes, by the way, okay, that's preaching, some by the preacher, but it's also a sense in which it's not just the preacher by himself. He's preaching to a people, and it's before God. Uh, in the prayer, in the intercessory prayer before God, it's God's people together setting forth God's truth, crying out to God, and also in singing. So prophesying is general worship. It's not preaching, always. It can include preaching, but it's not always preaching. And for 
for the women, they're not... Because that would contradict the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 14. It would contradict 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12. You interpret the those difficult passages with the easier and more clear ones, not the other way around. If you do it the other way around, there's something wrong. Now, she writes, I still think there's a lot of confusion in the church about what preaching is. I agree, but it's not with the confessions. It's people who are following this line of logic. We know ex- there's been a multitude of books written on what preaching is. Caruso, the, the heralding of the king. It's what authority someone sent. What is it in, in Romans 10? How will they hear? Unless a preacher is sent. I can't remember the exact verses. Is 10 verse 13. But a preacher is sent. He's sent by God. The king sends forward his herald about making straight the way of the Lord. You see that going all the way back to the book of Isaiah. And the herald would go announcing the view, uh, the, the role of the king, make his path straight. In other words, repent. So that the king can come and visit his people. And bless his people and be and dwell among his people. Anyway, so getting back to her article, Protestants say that it doesn't replace the priesthood, so now we have the priesthood of all believers. But complementarians won't say it replaces prophesying because the women can do it. I'm not exactly sure what she's... Okay, of a category of what prophesying is, one part of that category is preaching. Some say it's his own thing, but they aren't very clear on what biblical warrant is for that. I, I just, I struggle to read through her stuff, and I struggle to get through her sermon. I, I just, I can understand why some people are popular speakers, and they're very good, and they're very, and that'll include some women as well who do various topics and whatever. She is not clear at all and she's just muddying the waters here okay i was invited to talk about a but the stories of our bodies tell as men and women so okay she preached i'm going to skip ahead because this really doesn't have a ton to do with what's going on what about first timothy chapter 2 verse 12 what i've come to find with complementarians is that the way they read first timothy 2 12 colors the way they view preaching and teaching. Um, yeah, I hope it would. You know what I mean? And it's not just complimentary. Christians. Christians. For millennia. And just when she writes like this, look, when I heard this stuff years ago, I didn't believe she was actually egalitarian at all. When I, when I read this stuff by her, I really do think she's definitely egalitarian now. For them, it's about authentio, not authority in its pl- plain sense of being authorized to do something, authorized to give, to love, to speak. So women aren't authorized to give, to love, and to speak. What's the argument here? Here's the funny thing. The very definition of the Greek word Paul uses in 1 Timothy 2.12 is nowhere else in Scripture and shows up less than a dozen times in according with ancient Greek language. And that proves nothing. Anyway, not this. You can have, you can have hapex legomenon words that still mean what they mean. I don't know how we said over a thousand words in the Greek New Testament are used once. Um, once you get up to... Arguments such as this, seriously, I just... Anyway, what does that have to do with anything? It's not the same word used for the authority officers of the church have or the authority wives and husbands have in... Well, there's definitely a lot of confusion in what she's saying. 
There was no confusion in what she said in 2013. At all. Because there's nothing confusing about it. Oh, well, you know, the, the Greek words are used once, so therefore, what? The preaching is exercising authority, and it is a different Greek word, it doesn't matter. You can have things called synonyms. You know, sometimes we're to phileo God, and sometimes, you know, phileo to love God, and sometimes we're to agape. You know, there's words... Anyway. Don't make arguments based on the Greek language unless you really understand the rules. What about the last two... How come nobody else has ever thought of this? It's just... Oh, for 2,000 years, nobody knew about it except for a bunch of raging liberals and heretics. Yeah, they they figured it out. People who have just cast aside the word of God now are on the LGBT side and the egalitarian side. Um, but everybody else in church history has been clueless to this Greek word. And then, again, she quotes from Pope John Paul II, whom she seems to be enamored with, in the same article. Pope John Paul II says the symbol of the bridegroom is masculine. Anyway, so I tend to agree with Amy Bird. Not Amy Bird 2022. I agree with Amy Bird 2013. 95% of what she wrote back then. Hopefully this has been somewhat of a help to you. Um, Look, I'm very very saddened about this. I don't know her very well or anything else like that. You don't want to ever see this. You don't. Because it's going to cause more division. And it's not pleasant. And it's not going to help anything, is it? Pray for the situation, brothers and sisters in Christ. Pray for next week's program. Talk to you again soon. It's been Paul Flynn. May God bless you all.